to another episode of the Wembley Way podcast. Tonight, Tom is your host as Nick and guest Shieldsy reveal their best and worst, Ben, the journalist, five things in the EFL, West Ham versus Leeds United, England Youth Watch, Power Rankings, the listeners' questions, and then finally, our all-time EPL 11. Welcome to Series 1, Episode 7 of the Wembley Way Podcast. Nick, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've had a good week. So, uh, yeah, I'm all good. We've got an extra person here today as well, right? You want to introduce what? him? Yeah, please. We've got Alex Shields. He's back. Hello. For the whole episode as well. For the Crazy. whole episode. Really, really, really exciting. So had, to really to, just... had, had to talk to my agent and everything just to make sure it was okay. <laughs> Uh, We've been negotiating was... with them for the last couple of weeks, but uh, yeah. we got there in the end. A couple of pucker pies and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that guy who ate a pie for like a bet during like an Arsenal FA Cup match? Uh, yeah, is that, is that guy from Sutton or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> you just reminded me of that. Oh, oh, the goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, goalkeeping coach. He got, he, got, he got fined because there was an actual... Um... There was a rule, wasn't there, or something? You can't, you can't eat... Oh, no, because it, it was branded. It's just manipulation it... of a game. I don't think you can like bring a gam- gambling into the match itself no, and, and profit to yourself from it, you know? Yeah, because I think the Sun or something like that did like a side bet or something like that and it, he knew that and just started eating a pie just so he could win money. <laughs> Fair play to address. Yeah, hold uh, it. Yeah, lost the respect, but had his dinner for free. Exactly. Uh, so um, before we start, I'd like to mention the quiz. Uh, the quiz? Not a quiz. I've had too many quizzes during lockdown. <laughs> Everything's a quiz. No, the, uh, the a giveaway. So we have our, our Retro England shirt bundle giveaway. Uh, only one more week, um, one week left rather to enter. Um, you can do so on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Um, our Instagram at the moment is sitting there idle, empty, but we're going to start populating it and you can use it. Uh, to enter this competition. How to enter, I hear you ask. Um, all you have to do is the following things. Like and retweet uh, the competition tweet itself, at th- uh, three friends in the tweets comments, and follow us on one or more of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The winner will be announced next week, as I said on the podcast. So yeah, get in there before it's over. Alrighty, on with the podcast. Um, as always, we start with our best and worst. Nick and Shieldsy, what are your best and worst of the week? We'll start with you, Nicky. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Man City's um, centre-backs specifically, but also Man City in general. Um, I think that Ruben Diaz signing of the season and John Stones brought back in from the cold, um, although Laporte's come in every now and then in recent games, they have basically won Man City the league this season uh, due to how they are defending and not also that, but their goals as well. Um so Man City have now won 20 matches in a row in all competitions, conceding only seven goals in that period. 
Um, they've conceded 16 goals all season in the Premier League, four in the last 14 Premier League matches. Stones scored four goals, which is more than any other Premier League defender this season. Um, he's played himself back into England's starting eleven. As I said, Ruben Diaz is signing for the season. Uh, in my opinion, those two players uh, and the way they're playing at the moment is going to, and probably already already has, won Man City the league. So um, those those are my best of the week. Um, and obviously, as as most people will know, they scored both goals against uh, the two one win against West Ham at the weekend um, to to get the three points. So. They're, they're my best of the week. Yeah, yeah, I think there's there's an old saying that attacks can win games, but defenses win championships. And I think Indeed. that's they're kind of coming through. And if you don't if you don't concede goals, you don't lose matches. Exactly. So very strong uh, start from Shieldsy there. Thank you. I <laughs> uh, love that. Already in uh, with the, uh, the, the what the sayings. I'm not sure what you would call that. Really. I've got loads of them. Have you? We'll, yeah. we'll find we'll find out. Um, <laughs> what's your best of the week? Um, when I looked at the best of the week, I think it was something, I looked for something that would surprise me. And the thing that surprised me the most, and I thought one of the best performances was Arsenal's win at Leicester hmm. um, at the weekend. Um, I saw the team that he put out and I thought, I know Leicester have got a couple of injury issues at the moment as well, but I thought Leicester at home, Vardy's got a very good record against um, so on and so forth. Um, and especially when they went 1-0 down so early on as well with We'll call it comical defending. I thought, um, I thought that was going to be it. But the way they came back, they controlled the tempo. Uh, David Luiz's header was very good. I, I don't know; it didn't really quite get the accolades it should have done. It was a very good header. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they they got the penalty, and then Pepe scored in the second. I, I thought it was very impressive. I wrote them off as soon as I saw the team because there's no Saka. Mm. Um, no Aubameyang, a couple of big hitters were arrested, but fair play to Arteta. He's been a bit hit and miss sometimes, but he got that spot on, I thought. Yeah, he did. It was interesting. Like you said, they rested quite a lot of players after their, their game in the week against Benfica. I think Rob Holding, Bellerin, Partey, um, Odegaard, I don't think started. No, uh, he came on early. He came on for an injury. Smith Rowe, I think, was injured. Um, yeah, Saka, Bamiyang, all rested. So definitely, I agree with you. When the team sheets came out, I thought Leicester were going to absolutely route this game, uh, but they but they didn't. And uh, fair play to Arteta and Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and as for the not-so-good moments in the, the past seven days, Nick, what's your worst of the week? Um, I'm going I'm to go for something that's that ha- has happened in the past seven days, um, but it's also been building up over the last few weeks and months as well. And this is... Um, diving slash feigning injuries and VAR or the ref's response to these incidents. So um, I've got a long list here. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to go through a few that have happened in the last week or two. Um, Salah versus Everton, Maguire against West Brom, Werner against Atletico, Rashford against Newcastle, which won a penalty, uh, Suarez against Chelsea, Teller against Leeds, Louise against Leicester and Tierney against Leicester. Um, all of these cases, there was probably what you would say a clear dive. Uh, Teller against Leeds, which is the Southampton winger, he uh, won a penalty, the ref gave it. Uh, on, on reflection on VAR, it was given as a dive, um, and it was a clear dive. He threw his legs into the Lorente, the defender's legs, um, and uh, the decision was overturned. And that was it. No yellow, no retrospective action, nothing. No telling off at all. What's happened to this rule of the three-game, three-game, oh, sorry, three-game ban hmm. uh, of of a, of a dive or, or a yellow card? Why can't they give a retrospective yellow card? It might not mean nothing for that game, but actually, 
in the accumulation over the season of yellow cards, it could mean something for that team. I just don't understand it. Um, and then the two incidents against Leicester for Arsenal, David Luiz headed the ball away and it, uh, from a corner and it went to Leicester at the back. They're about to put it back in the box. And Luiz went down with a head injury um, because he was dizzy and he headed the ball away. That was it. There was no one anywhere near him. Tierney, another one, he went shoulder to shoulder with um, with Under near the corner flag and he held his head screaming as if he, Under had hit his head and actually it was just a shoulder barge. These mm. two instances that, that, I'm not going to say Luiz is obviously diving because he, he might have gone dizzy from the header, but the, the, the Tierney one is just pure cheat, cheating and that's as bad as diving, that's as bad as any, any red card, well not red card offence, but as bad as anyone cheating in the game. I, I just, I think that after the game something should be done and we've got VAR I know they can't give yellow cards, but why can't they for, for diving or clear feigning of injury? Um, so that's my worst of the week. I would like to add there, though, it'd be hard to judge post-match that, you know, he wasn't momentarily dizzy. Um, or you know, another injury of... of I, 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 I agree with the Louise one. Yeah, I agree with the Louise one because that was difficult because he did head the ball away. And, and I know if you hit, head the ball in the wrong part of your head, you can go sort of momentarily dizzy. Hmm. The, one, um, the one with Tierney was just pure cheating. Um, and I think that now that there's a lot more scrutiny on head injuries with a concussion sub coming in and, and a, lot, a lot of commentators outside the game talking about head injuries and, and, and the repercussions of them, I think that players are going to start using that to their advantage and they mm. will know that as soon as they go down holding their head, the referee will automatically stop the game and consider it to be serious, which has always been the rule. But I think now that they added focus on it, we'll, we'll, um, we'll, players will use that to their advantage, I think. So um, it's one to look out for. Um, uh, and I think it's increasing in the game, which is a shame. Yeah, I think like what well, I, I ask myself this a lot actually. Like people have a big issue of diving, don't they? Um, the problem is like if you think about it, what does constitute cheating? I mean, the rules are there to be broken. It is if you zoom out, it is a game, you know. And players are always going to bend the rules or manipulate the rules to their advantage. I.e., you know, people using their head rule, head injury rule to their advantage uh, by faking injury, knowing it stopped the match immediately. At what point is it not clever play a part of the game that we love, and or you know, or at what point does it become, as you say, cheating? That's a strong word, and they should they, they, and they should be punished for it. Do you know? I think from my point of view, it's down to like interpretation, and the, the issue is with say a ball going over a line. That's a fact. You can see it going over a line with yeah. um, an offside, even though there's controversy around it. You can tell if someone's offside or not with diving with it's all open up to interpretation you see it on twitter you see half the people saying it would be a penalty and half the people saying it's not a penalty and that's the issue yeah i i, I do i agree with that there's there's an element of subjectivity to it and you never know if someone is is truly injured or not and i agree with with um with with you as well tom i mean as a player uh, and anyone who knows me and has watched me poorly play the game, I, I'm I'm always doing this sort of stuff and 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 trying to mm. win decisions for the team and trying to yeah. win the game. So I don't yeah, necessarily back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't necessarily hold blame to the players. And I've said this before. Mm. I think I think if players are going to get away with it, they'll get away with it and they'll do it. Of course they will. What's the difference between diving and appealing for a throw in or a corner or a penalty when you know saving well isn't? You're saving the ball of your as a defender saves the ball of his hand, gets a red card, but no one says like he's a cheat. They just say like, well, he's a defender, yeah, exactly. like doing what he does best, yeah, which is stop the ball going in the net. Like, yeah, exactly. So, so I don't necessarily put too much blame on the players. I just think that something has to be done to stop that. Otherwise, yeah. it will get abused and it, and it will keep going. Yeah, fair enough. Shieldy, your worst of the week. Um, it was an incident that happened in the uh, West Brom Brighton game. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did wonder if this was going to get in there. I was like, well, if, I, if it doesn't, I'm going to say it. <laughs> well, I, I'm actually a VAR fan. I like VAR. Um, I don't like the way the referees use it. The actual technology works fine. Like VR as its own entity works fine. But it's just drained all the confidence out of referees because mm. they're getting critiqued and critiqued by millimetres, by tackles potentially looking worse in slow motion, tackles looking particularly worse in for like different angles. And But the, the Lee Mason thing just didn't make sense. And I feel sorry for Duncan. He will probably get fined for the words he said after the game, but it's right. He asked him if he could take the free kick. You could blatantly hear the whistle. So for those who don't know, explain what happened. Um, there was a free kick on the edge of the West Brom area. Uh, Lewis Dunk was near it. Um, Sam Johnson goal. Hmm. Um, he was lining up the wall on the other side. Um, as with such classic quick free kicks that have happened in the past, Lewis Dunk seen an opportunity. The wall was 10 yards back. He said, can you take it? And he went, yep. You could hear a whistle. Yeah. He took the free kick. It went in. And then ensued about five minutes of just confusion and backtracking. Mm. Um, and I think it's you know, it, it, to be a referee, you have to be 100% assertive of your decisions. And even if they're wrong, you have to back yourself. Afterwards, if you're wrong, you hold your hands up and you say, I'm wrong. But I think people would rather do that and say, I've made a mistake, I'm wrong, than trying to backtrack and trying to appease everyone. 100%. And it's people are human, people make mistakes. Um, the, the, I, I wouldn't even want to try and imagine refereeing a Premier League football game just purely for the pace of everything. But this was just, it was just bizarre. Yeah. Um, and you might miss a tackle, you might miss a handball, you might miss stuff, stuff like that. But it was just bizarre. Yeah, I, th- I think he made two, two quite key mistakes. One was obviously blowing the whistle um, when when he when he didn't realise that Sam Johnston wasn't ready, which which I know you can blow the whistle before the keeper's ready, but, but he, so he chose to blow the whistle before he knew the West Brom players and the keeper was ready. And then, and then I think the first key mistake he made was then when he realised that the West Brom players and Sam Johnston weren't re- weren't ready, he blew the whistle again, which is what VAR yeah. ended up looking at, which is because because the, the second whistle to effectively stop play was blown as the ball was literally crossing the line. Because it was deemed to have been blown before the ball crossed the line, it was it was given it, no goal was given and the ball and the play was stopped. Um, uh, but then, as you said, the indecisiveness he actually he disallowed the goal, but then and then he changed his mind and, and gave the goal without VAR intervening. And then he and then he went to VAR and then disallowed the goal again. It was just it was it was farcical. We didn't have a clue what was going on. Yeah, he's gone. Let's do it. Oh no, I shouldn't have done it. Hmm. That's fine. I'll give it again. But then. VR of kind of, well, no, you've blown the whistle again. So it's yeah. just, it's just, it's just like one of these things, it's just like layers and layers and layers just happened. And it was just, yeah. it was just embarrassing. But I do feel sorry for the referees in part because you have to make split second decisions. He just got this one so wrong. I mentioned a few weeks ago about the, I can't remember which ref it was now, the ref who blew up early in the, um, in the Liverpool game uh, yeah. when someone was sort of threw on goal as such. And I said that that's purely his fault because he's in total control of that situation. It's not a subjective law or anything like that. He's fully in control. Lee Mason was fully in control of this. If he didn't want the free kick to be taken, he didn't have to blow the whistle the first time. He blew the whistle. And once he did that, he just had to live with it. And he, and he fully cocked up from that point onwards. So um, I, I have no sympathy for him on this one. And incidentally, he's actually uh, out this weekend with a calf injury. 
which um injury which, yeah exactly which, which uh it's funny i've never really heard that from a ref before it's sort of yeah lee mason calf yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's funny all right then uh that's it i think for our best and worst of the week next up it's ben the journalist thanks tom ben allison here reporting live again for the wembley way podcast joining me here today is the one and only marcelo bielsa now i know you don't speak english Hence, we are joined today with your interpreter, who will be relaying my questions to you and your answers back to me. What could possibly go wrong now? How much have you enjoyed working in England so far? It's fucking cold all the time. And they can't wait uh, to, uh, how you say, uh, leave. He, he actually said that. Are you calling me a liar? I'm not calling you anything, but I find it hard to believe he swore, first of all. He said he would like to also leave this interview now as uh, he has had enough of talking to a nobody. Are you having me on? And he also said you're a funny little looking man. Did he now? Uh, that you have uh, got poor excuse for uh, 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 facial hair. Right. He's not even talking anymore, so who am I having this conversation with? Him or you? And the lack of facial hair comment was a cheap shot, even if I can't grow a beard at the age of 31. Fucking hell, I thought you were like 20. Now look after my skin, alright? I'm not going to apologise for it. Oh, he's off again, what's he saying now? Uh, he's saying he's sick and tired of doing stupid English interviews for stupid, uh, how you say, TV uh, channels. Right, but tell matey boy, it's not a TV channel, it's a podcast. And a bloody good respectable one at that. Although this isn't evidence of that, clearly. Uh, he said he doesn't give a shit and that the only difference for podcast is that it's for ugly people right. that do not need to show their face. Excellent. Anything else? And he also said that you need to get your hair cut because you look like a poor man's Kurt Cobain. Right, that's it. I've had enough. I told Tom this is a bad idea. Poor man's Kurt Cobain as well. It's not even good looking. So much of looking 20. Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah, very good. Nah, you can fuck off and all. Hey, don't talk to boss like that. Oh, yeah, what are we going to do about it? Oh, come on in. Do you want some? Do. You want a piece of me? I want it all. If you want some, I'll give it you. Sure. Come on. Oh, don't. Oh, ben Allison. Oh. We're putting some Wembley weight. Back to the studio, Tom! Fuck oh, That's mental. That's mental. Cheers, Ben. Um, yeah, not going well for you, is it, this? Um, I'm not sure, Nick. What do you think? I don't think he's cut out to be a journalist. I didn't want to say it. I've been thinking it for a couple of weeks. I don't know. Uh, it's just dawned on me this week, actually, but maybe we uh, should get rid. Yeah, I'll have a think about it <clears throat> in the week. Anyway, it's that time of the week. It's five things in the EFL. Five things in the EFL. Five things in the EFL. Five things. You smash it. Vulnerable at the Valley. Charlton Athletic were one of the promotion favourites in League One this season. Uh, following their relegation from the Championship last year and the takeover by Thomas Sangard in September 2020. 
Um, however, they only find themselves in 12th so far in the league and they just can't get any sort of form going. It's safe to say home certainly isn't where the heart is for Charlton. Uh, they've lost their last four games in a row at the Valley and haven't won there since the 12th December, eight home games ago. They've also conceded at least two goals at home in their last nine games at the Valley. Uh, Lebo's job now looks pretty under threat uh, with fans growing impatient with their home form. One to watch, Harvey Elliott. So you listeners should already be well aware of Harvey Elliott. Uh, the 17-year-old skillful winger is currently on loan at Blackburn Rovers from Liverpool for the season. And I thought I'd give you an update on his progress. So alongside Adam Armstrong, uh, Elliot has been Blackburn's standout performer so far this season. He's been their main creative force and he's second in the championship assist charts with nine. He's also chipped in with five goals. So from his performances this season, it's clear to see what a talent Elliot is and will be in the future. Um, he is definitely a future England star. Tractor Boys Takeover Talks So according to an article by The Athletic, a group of US investors led by Brett Johnson are close to buying Ipswich Town for £17.5 million. Uh, the group want Paul Cook to replace current manager Paul Lambert if the takeover is successful. Lambert confirmed at the weekend that he is 99% sure he will leave if the takeover goes through. As he jested, when I came in this morning, Paul Cook was sat in my office. Um, Ipswich fans will no doubt be pleased with the news. Uh, they haven't been happy with the running of the club for several years now. Uh, since Mick McCarthy left in 2017, uh, Ipswich nosedive from the Championship to League One and a return to the Championship doesn't look imminent under current owner Marcus Evans. Embleton given the elbow. So Leighton Orient sacked head coach Ross Embleton after seven games without a win at the weekend, uh, following the 3-1 home defeat by Tranmere. He leaves the O's in 14th in League Two, eight points off the playoff places. Uh, so you might recall Embleton took over as head coach in really difficult circumstances uh, following the sudden death of previous boss Justin Edinburgh in the summer of 2019. Embleton is synonymous with the club and the board say the decision to sack him was made with heavy hearts. Uh, Joe Bean McEnough has been named interim boss and he'll be tasked with getting the O's battling out for the playoffs once again. Performance of the week, Rockin' Robins. Um, Swansea City 1, Bristol City 3. Now, I promise I do not hate Swansea at all, but the performance of the week seems to be whoever beats them at the moment. Huddersfield last week, um, Bristol City this week. Uh, so, Nigel Pearson took over at Bristol City after six straight defeats for them in the league. And so far, he has overseen impressive 3-1 wins away at Middlesbrough and now at promotion chasing Swansea. Um, so, the Swans were completely dominant in, the, in this game. They should have been out of sight. But the Robins hung in there and they're the first team to come from behind to beat Swansea this season. Um, also a special mention for keeper Freddie Woodman, who was my one to watch a couple pods ago you will call. Um, well in this match he was the one to watch for all the wrong reasons. Um, two uncharacteristic mistakes including former Swan Casey Palmer scoring directly from a corner against him. Five things in the Five things in the EFL. Five things.
He definitely smashed it. Five things in the EFL. Another beautiful rendition. Nick, thoughts? Uh, well, actually, incidentally, um, Paul Lambert has now left Ipswich, as Sheld mentioned was going to happen. Mm. Uh, Paul Cook, the heavy favourite. Um, and Casey Palmer, the player who scored from the corner uh, for Bristol City against Swansea. He's former Chelsea, so um, I've seen him do that before for Chelsea, and he's, he's scored many great goals for Chelsea's academy. So uh, good to see him back fit and playing again. That is true. Onwards then, uh, now we're looking at um, the, the, the next seven days uh, with our match spotlight feature. This week, we're looking at West Ham United versus Leeds United. Uh, Shieldsy, I start with you. Thoughts on this one? Um, West Ham have actually been playing quite well still. We're, in it, we're coming into a really tricky uh, period of games. Um, I know we've got Manchester United away next after that, and we've got Arsenal coming up. And For those who don't know, Shieldsy is a West Ham fan. So let's just add that layer of context. Completely unbiased, completely unbiased. <laughs> um, but from a West Ham point of view, I thought uh, against Man City, we Man City probably just edged it, but I don't think we did. We didn't disgrace ourselves. Mm. Um, you're always going to get dominated possession-wise. Um, I think our biggest issue, especially when we play the biggest team, is our ball retention. Uh, but I mean, for this game coming up, we went up to Leeds and we, I thought we dominated in regards to the way we controlled the game. Uh, but Leeds are dangerous. Everyone loves Bielsa Ball and <laughs> I've got my own opinions. He's done, he's done well since they've come up. They haven't signed huge. They've signed a couple of players to add quality, but they're quite a hit and miss. Whereas West Ham seemed to be finding that consistency. <laughs> uh, obviously, Bamford's on good form and that he'll probably come up in the power rankings later on. Um, but from our point of view, if we can get a similar team out, I, I do worry about Antonio and his fitness. He looks leggy after 60 minutes every game. Uh, but we do have options. Uh, Bowen has played up there. And hopefully if we can get, get our foot in the game and be assertive and take control of it, I can't see why West Ham can't win. But as you said, Leeds, Leeds are dangerous. They can turn up and score three or four goals anywhere. It really yeah. depends on how we shut them out. I I just can't predict Leeds. Um, every time I think they're going to win a game, they lose it. Every time I think they're going to lose a game, they win it. So I've got no idea what they're going to do, to be honest. Um, I noticed actually this, this season, they've not won or lost more than two games in a row. Um, so that just shows the inconsistency. They've sort of won one or two wins in a row and then, then a loss. And, and they don't draw many games either. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Leeds can pull West Ham out of their shape a little bit. But um, West Ham look like the real deal um i was asked early on whether they can make top four or six and i said and i said probably not um i think top six now is looking very likely uh and and obviously being in fourth at the moment you have to put them in the race for fourth as well i mean they're, they're, they're winning they're winning com comfortably against the teams that you should win against and being very competitive and picking up good results in the games against the tough opposition so at the moment that, that that's that's more than can be said of most other teams battling for the four position. So I, 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 yeah, I mean, unless something happens where they, I mean, like you said, the next three games, Leeds, City, and United. Uh, sorry, Leeds, United, and Arsenal, isn't it? Next three games. I think if you can come out of them with say six or seven points, yeah, I think you've got a really good shot of fourth. I think I noticed your last three games of Brighton, West Brom, and Southampton. Like that's that's favourable. Yeah, I think at the moment as well. Take Man City out because of the run of form they run. Anyone can beat anyone. Mm. I mean, even I don't want to rub it in too much in Tom's face. The, the Spurs game, we didn't actually play that well that day. 
No, it really wasn't much of a, sh- it wasn't much of a shock either. After Lingard, uh, we pretty much had the second half, didn't we? Exactly, yeah. and you've hit the bar and mm. Son hit the post late on. But when everything is going your way, these things go your way. Mm. Uh, I, I actually had a look at the fixtures today we have left. I would say apart from United, I look at all of the remaining fixtures and I think we could definitely get something from all of them. It's no, just we, whether we can maintain that consistency. We, we're totally with that you, though, Chills, don't forget. Yeah, I still think... I mean, you are, I have to give... Two shows come in and done and started well, but I think we're at home. We've already played you away, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah you beat you beat us away. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll be, we yeah, we'll be at home, and obviously there's no fans there, but we are playing well at home, and I I, I feel like we can go out and beat anyone. I wasn't expecting anything from um, Saturday lunchtime, no. but you kind of take it on the chin, and it's a little bit disappointing that most most of the fans have come out and said we could have got a result there. So yeah. I, I, I think we will just edge it. I think it will be maybe a 2-1 or a 3-2, but I think we'll just edge it. Uh, every time I predict, as I said, every time I predict Leeds to win, they lose. And every time I think they're going to uh, lose, they win. So we'll just predict to Leeds I, win then. I, 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 well, I, th- I think West Ham are going to win. So I'm going to predict a 2-0 Leeds win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair logic. Why not? I like it. It's and like that, inception, it, a result within a result. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I win either way. Well, yeah, I mean, we Nick and I have got this uh, thing going on, on Twitter where we kind of predict the weekend's results yeah. and we kind of tally it all up. And uh, Nick, Nick, you are quite bad. <laughs> well, you say that. I just think you're ridiculously good. I'll take that. Uh, uh, yeah, don't disagree. I, did, I didn't expect this, but there was one week where there was like seven results and you got like four correct scores or something. Scores like as well, not even just yeah, results. Not even results. Yeah, I'm, just, team, I'm team Tom. Yeah, it really is. Really is uh, extraordinary at this. Uh, so leadable doesn't yeah. lie. So give you yeah. credit. To be fair, well, thank you. Um, I found something I'm good at. Uh, <laughs> onwards, then the next section of tonight uh, is actually the beginning of the England half of the podcast, uh, where we start England Youth Watch. Yeah, it's England Youth Watch. Tonight we're discussing Chelsea's number 20, 20-year-old Callum Hudson-Odoi. We'll start with Nicky as the resident Chelsea fan. What do you make of Callum? Firstly, you've gone with Nicky again, which uh, would be weird. Um, I really like Nicky. Yeah, like, Nikki. OK, we'll stick with that. Uh, <laughs> Nicky here, speaking on the Wembley way. Um, <laughs> Callum Hudson-Odoi, I, I think he's uh, very good and I think he's almost underappreciated how good he is. Um, he's only 20, you said, just turned 20 as well. Um, and I think he feel, it feels like he's been around longer than, longer than he has been, uh, or he's older than he is, should I say. He made his, uh, made his Premier League debut three years ago now. Um, there was obviously a bit of negativity around the contractual situation when Bayern were looking at him and he, and he didn't have long left on his deal. Um, there was reports about money and him wanting high wages. I don't think it was ever about that. I think it was always about a route into the first team, uh, and then obviously he did sign a new deal. Um, unluckily, he had a massive... Uh, injury, he's ruptured his Achilles, um, so it's taken a lot longer to come back from that than anticipated. But I, I th- personally, I think that he has got um, more talent than a lot of our youngsters coming through on the wings, uh, including players like Sancho. I think if he has played as many games as Sancho in the Bundesliga or, or uh, sort of a high level league like that, I think he would be way ahead and probably uh, a, a shoe in for an England squad position and maybe even a starter by now. Um, 
I think under Tuchel, since Tuchel's come in, obviously Frank had to manage his uh, his injury a little bit. And since Tuchel's come in, he's, he's sort of hit the ground running, although he had that incident where he got taken off last week. Um, I think he'll show an even higher level once he gets an opportunity to play on the left. Um, at the moment, Tuchel's playing him on the right, but has said that he thinks he'll be even better on the left, but he's just waiting for the right opportunity to move him over. Um, obviously, we know about his dribbling ability, his speed and, and ability to get to the byline and cross it, but... I think he's got his passing ability, switch of play, and, and choosing the right moment to do that is underestimated. And when he plays on the left, he's also got a very, very good eye for goal uh, when cutting in. So for me, I, I think that if he had had maybe a few more senior games between the ages of 18 to 20, I think he'll be right up there. Um, but I still think there's there's plenty left, and I think he will be right up there in a couple of years. Shieldsy? I like him. Uh, I think it's a bold statement saying potentially as much ability as Sancho. I think I think this next season, the half is huge for him because he just needs to get that consistency. Uh, I, I think he was a bit of an easy target for the Tuchel uh, thing the other week, um, taking him off um, because he's not as established as some of his teammates. And the other thing is he didn't cost any money. So you can't take off a player that's cost X amount of millions, potentially. So he might, Tuchel might have been doing that as a bit of man manager to prove a point. I watched the game. I didn't think it was worthy of him being taken off. Yeah, it wasn't that uh, bad, was it? It wasn't that bad. Um, but I feel like Tuchel's going in there, especially as popular as Frank was, Tuchel's gone in there to make a point. Mm. Um, I, think, I think that was a message to the team as well as, yeah, as, yeah. as well. Just yeah. to stamp his authority, I guess. It's a brave, it's a brave move, especially as Hudson Odoi, you probably would say, is a confidence player. Mm. Um, and to kind of do that and almost take a chance of knocking his confidence, but he respond he's responded well since. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think this Euros might be he's on the peripheral of the squad. I think it might be a little bit Yeah, I don't think he'll make it. I think it'd be a little bit too soon, but we've got the World Cup the following year. So if if he can get that consistency play. I don't know, 30 to 35 games in the Premier League season in a successful team with Chelsea, there's absolutely no reason why he can't get in and around the squad yeah. for the World Cup. Yeah, I fully agree. As I said, I think I think the Euros will be too soon for him, but I think he's got all the ability all the ability in the world to, uh, and it's up to him what he wants to do with it, to be honest. And that's England Youth Watch. Now it's time for the England Power Rankings. So this is when we uh, discuss the English pool of players and we uh, we analyse every week whether they're making Gareth Southgate's plane based on their performances in their domestic leagues. Um, but before we do that, um, we've got Shieldsy on. So let's ask him, uh, Shieldsy, what, who's in your England first 11? Well, my first 11 is, there's a couple of choices in there which people might disagree with, but I look at, Firstly, I probably wouldn't go three at the back. So my system, I'd probably go four, three, three. Right. Because um, I think that utilizes certain pairs in certain positions and makes people have people like in different focal points and so on and so forth. Um, so my goalie, <laughs> I know people want a keeper who can play, but I'm a big Nick Pope fan. Oh. Um, I think I just don't trust Pickford. If you weigh, for me, if you weigh up a potential Pickford mistake and his footballing ability compared to 
Nick Pope's footballing ability, but he's very, very consistent. And I think he, he, I think he is generally a better goalkeeper, as in keeping the ball out of the goal. I would go Pope over Pickford, with Henderson as the third choice at the moment. Right back, um, Nick, me, me and Nick have had this conversation a few times. I don't trust Trent defensively, um, so I would probably go Reese James if he can pick up a bit of form for the rest of the season. Um, personally, if you were playing a lesser team, I would play Trent because of the creativity you can provide from right back. But if, yeah. I've, if I'm playing a good team and I need to defend, I would probably play Reese James. Um, Centre-halves at the moment would be Stones, for obvious reasons. We've already discussed that. Mm. And I don't... My, my heart says Craig Dawson, but I know I can't say that. <laughs> um, but... Um, because of his big tournament experience, he's probably one of the only few that has it at the moment. It's going to have to be Maguire. Um, he's not had a terrible season and Manchester United a second and he's the captain. He's played most games. So he's not a terrible defender, but you would like another world-class defender in there. Yeah. Um, left back, probably going to be Chilwell um, if he can get back in the team. Um, but I do... <laughs> There's so many to fit in. Could you play Saka there? Um, so there's, there's there's definitely options for sure. Sure as well, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, they're, they're, but at the moment, I would probably say Chilwell if he can have a good end to the season. Mm-hmm. Um, your holding is my main man, Declan Rice. I of think course. he's I think he's special, and I've had, I will argue anyone on Instagram who says he isn't. Um, I think he will be England captain. I think he could get as many caps as he wants to get injuries injuries permitting. Um, Henderson's not available, is he? Um, well, he's only well, had five that, weeks, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think he'll be fit. I think he'll be, think enough, he'll be yeah. back. If he's back, yeah. I would play Henderson and probably Foden. Ooh. Just ahead of him. Henderson, a little bit more protection. Foden's anyone... Anyone who sees Phil Foden play knows that guy is special. Yeah, he is. He is streets above everyone else. I know people talk. I know you're a Mount fan, Nick. Mm. It's it's closer between Mount and Henderson than Mount and Foden for me. Sure. Okay. Um, but the closest one is Henderson or Mount. But I would play Foden in that ten role. Just mm. let him create. Just let him do his thing. Um, I'm a greedish man. So I'd play Greedish on one side of him. Um, he's special as well. Uh, he divides opinion, but you, c- you can't deny the quality. Um, I think people kind of almost forget how good Raheem Sterling is sometimes as well. Yeah, completely agree. Still doing, still doing it week in, week out for Man City as well. That's what I get. It's like completely going under the radar while still delivering the goods for Man City every week. I, th- I think it's because he's been around a lot. Mm. So a long time and there's so much good young talent coming through people are actually kind of forgetting Sterling's still a world-class player they're taking the granted well, aren't they yeah people always look like the next best thing and try and sort of claim them as well so it's like oh yeah. Grealish isn't tested for England so I'm going to I'm going to claim Grealish I'm going to claim Foden and actually forget that you've got like Sterling Kane players like this who, and, and Henderson as well who are stalwarts of the England team and and, and will, will deliver mm. yeah and and can't not play Harry Kane Yep. So it'll be Kane. So yeah, it'll be Pope, Reese James, Stones, Maguire, Chilwell, 
midfield free of Rice. Actually, no, I'm going to go Mount instead of Henderson, just to please Ooh. Nick. <laughs> Rice, Mount, Foden, Sterling, Nick's Greenish, silent pressure you for changing it. He's, he's looking into my soul right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to ask Nick, what's, what's your, your thoughts on that one? I, I think, uh, to be fair, even without Mount and Henderson in there, I, I couldn't, I couldn't argue with that. I think that's a very good team. As we've said before, I think he will go for three at the back. But yeah. if he was to go four, I, I think that's a, um, a quality team. Um, and you could, it's quite flexible as well because you play four three three or four two three one, um, and sort of change it about. So I, yeah, I think that's really good. It's it's a lot of pressure on Rice, especially if we're playing a decent team. Yeah, because yeah. he is the whole protection, which is why I would edge towards Henderson. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that bit more stability, yeah. because you can either go as a four-two-three-one or a four-one-four-one, okay. depending on yeah. who you're playing. Mm. But it's a toss-up between Henderson and Mount for me. But there's, you, I think you have to play Kane, you have to play Sterling, you have to play Foden. Yeah, I think you have to play Grealish. There you go. All aboard the Grealish mobile. Yes. Let's not forget it is the England power rankings. Nick, who are the movers and shakers this week? Uh, three on the up. I'm going to go with Sancho, who is seems to be hitting form again for Dortmund, mm. uh, scoring, assisting pretty much every game now. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah, going to go Sancho. Curtis Jones uh, scored um, yesterday against Sheffield United. Another really good performance. I think I read somewhere that he's he started for the last 14 games in a row or something like that for Liverpool now. So, um, obviously they've had a lot of injuries taking some of their centre mids out of midfield, but. I, th- I think he's just going quietly about his business. And obviously we spoke uh, with with Jack about him at length last week. Mm. Um, again, probably not going to make the plane or anything like that, but definitely deserves plaudits on, on his performances. I think he could be a surprise choice. You think? I think he could. If he carries on the way he is, I think he could get on there. I, I think... think I... Cool. I think someone like, say, you've got James Ward-Prowse ahead of him. I feel like... <laughs> England squads are funny because... People always argue like about the twenty second or the twenty third best player. Yeah, and they've got no chance of playing anyway. And they've got no chance of playing. Yeah. So people like are having yeah. like people have meltdowns about players not being in the squad, but yeah. they wouldn't even be in the first team. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, for me, I I would agree with you if Southgate thinks that he's going to play a four three three, but I think if he thinks he's going to play a three at the back with two in midfield, I think he will favour any of Calvin Phillips, Ward Prowse uh, ahead of Curtis Jones. But I, I think he's doing enough to definitely be in around it. Yeah. Uh, my other on the up is Fikayo Tomori uh, on loan from Chelsea at AC Milan with an option to buy. I think they will take that up. Um, he, he started, played, didn't he, last week? Yeah, he started quite a few games in a row while Simon Kier was out injured. Um, but he's actually back now and he was on the bench for a couple of games. But yesterday, um, Roman Agli, their captain, was dropped in favour of uh, Tomori. And there's signals that, that Tomori is going to start from now on in, in, in place of him. Uh, and, and he was very good in their 2-1 win over Roma. Um, again, I, I don't think one for the plane, but I think he's perfectly suited to that left centre-back position if, if uh, either in a four or a five, five at the back. Um, and I think he'll be in the World Cup squad if he continues to play because I, I, I've never seen any any faults with him, to be honest, when he's played for Chelsea. Mm. Um, uh, he was mysteriously dropped and, and banished from the squad. Would you um, put him above Mings? Um, I, w- I wouldn't for left-footed balance and just experience. Like you said, the, these players are, probably aren't going to play anyway. So I think it's important to have characters around the squad, but but I, I do think ability wise, there's probably not much in it. But Mings is Mings is tried and tested in the Premier League, He's played for England a number of times now. So I think I think he'll make the plane ahead of him. But um, definitely kudos to, for Tomori for making his way into the Milan team. Mm. Uh, on the down, we've yeah. got Harvey Barnes 
unfortunate injury. That looked a bad one. Uh, I think that's probably cemented Southgate's decision in terms of Harvey Barnes. He was sort of there and thereabouts, and there was calls for him to be in the squad. And now I don't think he'll make it, even if he is just about fit enough when, when the tournament starts. Um, we mentioned uh, Henderson's injury. I think uh, while doesn't mean he's not going to go, I think he will still go, clearly. I think it depends on how he recovers from that as to whether he will start or not for England. Uh, and then another injury as well is James Madison, um, who uh, hopefully is coming back soon and will come back fit again. But you never really know, I suppose, in terms of how someone's going to recover from an injury. I feel sorry for Madison a little bit because I think if this was five years ago, I think he'd be starting. Yeah. But yeah. He's, there's just so much talent. We're so lucky at the moment mm. that he's, it's, it's just, I, I feel a bit, I feel a bit sad for him really. Yeah. Because yeah, five years ago, he'd be starting, he'd be right in there. But no, I agree with you. Absolutely. I think as well, he can only really play in a number 10 position. Yeah. Maybe in advance of a three midfield, whereas a lot of the other midfielders and attackers can play in various systems, various positions. So I think um, not. he might not miss out because of that, but that's probably why he's... Yeah, I think he'll go. Ever. I think he'll go, but I can't Will, will he even go? Out. I don't know. He might not even go. Yeah, there's so he many He hasn't players. been in um, South, Southgate's recent squads. I know Madison's no. kicked on since, but... Yeah, I, I, wasn't there issues between... I don't think Southgate likes his attitude very much, or am I just completely making it up? I think that's that's paper talk, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. it's a shame though because I think in his he always mentions England in his in his press conferences, his, his post match interviews, mm. and I think Greenish is the same. Uh, they do really like you know want to play for the national team, uh, and yeah, like you say, someone's going to miss out. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting though that in fact we've got like we've got a whole squad where almost all of the players in that squad could potentially start. Whereas we've never had that. As Shield says, we've always had like a 13 players who would go and, and any any of those 13 could start. And then beyond that, it doesn't really matter at all who's in the squad because they're never going to play, really. Um, so I think I think it's really exciting because God knows what Southgate's going to do. And uh, I, th- I think um, the success we had at t- in 2018, I think a lot of players, especially the younger players, saw that and go, I want that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas we've had quite a few years, like say 2010 in South Africa, where we were rubbish. Players mm. were like, oh, I don't know if I want to get the abuse or not. Yeah. But sure. they know if they play well for their country, they could be, their legendary yeah. status could be cemented. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I want to end it on that fine note uh, the England power rankings. Next, our final feature the listeners' questions. Ladies and gentlemen, England will be playing four, four, fucking two. So this week, Nick, we've got uh, we've got six questions. We're going to alternate between yourself and Shieldsy. Um, the first from Lloyd Arthur at Lloyd underscore Arthur. He asks, uh, "What's your thoughts on the increase in racial abuse to players recently? I've seen William, um, who's RJ, Rhys Jones, yeah, Rhys Jones, Rhys Jones." I'm going to keep it in. I don't mind. It's fine. Uh, Zaha, <laughs> Ma, Martial, just to name a few. Uh, taking the knee isn't having the necessary effect. Uh, what can the PL or e, uh, EFL do? Yeah, I, I mean, taking the knee has lost all impact. Um, it's one of those things like clapping for the NHS and things like that. Is When you do it a couple of times, it's quite striking and powerful. But obviously, over time, it just becomes um, almost like, like a tick box exercise type of thing. It's, I, don't think, I think it's lost its power. Um, I think in, in general, in terms of the issue, I, I'm definitely not one qualified in terms of experience 
or um, my studies and knowledge of, of, of the subject to really to really sort of solve this problem. Mm. Um, I think there's there's sort of short term wins in terms of social media um, where you could add ID verification behind every account. It doesn't mean you're going to have to have your picture or your passport plastered over your account, but at least Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, some of that will have it in the background um, in case someone does decide to troll and then they can easily punish them or, or educate them um, following that. Um, I, I think when players out trolls, I actually don't think that helps. Um, I think because they're anonymous. So this person who set up this fake Twitter account, essentially trolling, they want that. Well, why else are they going to do it? They want that. They want that publicity. So, I, so I, I'm not sure that helps. But um, again, not pr- probably not qualified to talk about it too much. Um, football can try and lead the way and find a solution, but it's clearly a wider societal issue. Um, it's going to take many years, generations to change. Uh, and it starts at the top with, with systemic issues. So I think um, while um, it's, it's hugely relevant and important topic to consider in terms of football and how we move forward, uh, I think it's it's much bigger than football um, and much, much bigger than, than me. But everyone has to take responsibility. Everyone has to uh, take accountability and, um, and act upon it. So a really important issue. Thanks for the question, Lloyd. Yeah, absolutely. And nicely done, Nikki. Um, Shieldsy, um, Ian Gray at igray67, he asks, uh, do you think that England's chances of winning a tournament would be improved if the Premier League teams, especially those in Europe, were required to have a percentage of English-born players in their squad, i.e. at least 33%? Uh, It's a good question. I've had this discussion a few times and especially when we weren't very good, I think, yeah, I think it would have had an impact. But I think you would get one or two players that might get ignored at certain levels, but then when you put them in a game situation, it might shine. Um, but generally, the cream will rise to the top. And I think our influx of youth has really kind of exacerbated that. And we are, and we are in a very good position. Um, so I think maybe five, ten years ago, I think it would have made. I think it would have been something which could have benefited us. But I think we've got such a plethora of talent at the moment. We don't need to do it. But I think you would find one or two gems who might have been previously ignored. So I don't think we necessarily need to do it. And, but I think, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. And I think for the fans as well, if you've got four local lads in your team, it makes it that much more special. So for an England point of view, I don't think it would necessarily have a huge impact because, as I said, the cream would always rise to the top. But in regards to maybe the fans and having local heroes for the community and stuff like that, then I think it could work. But I don't think it would necessarily have a huge impact at at the level of England. Yeah, I think um, the problem with this is the Premier League would just never want to do it. It just tarnishes their product. Why why put constraints on the kind of uh, talent that the Premier League can uh, attract? but yeah, for the national team, it would help. Like you say, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, there, there's always one or two players that mm. that just kind of come out of nowhere, and you see players that go down a few levels and then come back up again. Um, I think if you're good enough, and you because eighty percent of it is talent, but then there's that attitude, yeah. and it's the wanting to do it. Ravel Morrison's the the prime example. All you hear about from the X-Men United players is what a player he was, the best mm-hmm. youngster they've ever seen. But if your mindset isn't there, then you're never going to make it. 
So if you if you've got enough talent, your mindset's there. Even you have to even if you have to go down a few levels and then come back up again, you'll do it. Mm. I, I think the um, I think it it probably would help, as you said. If I, I sort of uncover a couple of a couple of gems here and there, I think what's what's going to be even better and it is being it is uh, improving England as it is is uh, other countries yep. uh, clubs are now but picking up get... our talent yeah, exactly yeah. They're, they're now picking up our talent um and giving them a chance and we've seen with obviously Sancho going over there um there's been a number of others I know earlier yeah Bellingham now um Bayern have signed Omar Roberts from Reading the left back 23 year old left back no one's even heard of him over here and yet Bayern are picking him up um, again, Jamal Musuela, who has just chosen to play for Germany ahead of England because of his um, German mother, I think. Um, right, yeah. But but he got snapped up from Bayern from Chelsea. He scored it weekend. Oh no, in the Champions League. Champions League, yeah, yeah. seventeen scorer, I think. Yeah. Um, so like, so I think I think that's actually going to help England more than anything else because basically clubs know that if I don't give this player a chance anymore, someone else is going to. And these mm. players are leaving to get a chance they're not leaving for money they're not leaving for anything else for fame they're leaving to get a chance at these clubs so the players are switched on they know their worth and power now so the clubs are even gonna have to play them uh, or lose them and I think um, either way the players are playing and I think that's going to help England I think there was a stigma against English players playing abroad because obviously mm. Beckham went abroad and did well but then Woodgate went and Michael Owen did okay in Madrid but there was almost a stigma, yeah. a stigma that these English youngsters or these English players just weren't good enough. Yeah. They were suited for Premier League football. But yeah, teams like Dortmund and they, the German league have been quite progressive in the fact that they are looking at English yeah. clubs and trying to find their talent. So it, I think it will only get better. And it, 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 it's always weird. It's almost weird that there are no English players abroad or there yeah. were no English players abroad. Yeah. No one really ever picked up on it. No, exactly. Just mentioned another one, Samori as well, Milan now. So yeah, interesting yeah. to see that. Even route. Chris Smalling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely forgot about him at Roma. Yeah. There you go, um, Nikki. Another question for you from Paolo de Can Rio at Rio Hoya. He asks, "Is this a bad Premier League season with the traditional top teams underperforming, or a good one with more teams making it competitive?" Um, it's a really good question. I I think mostly not necessarily a bad season, but a bad couple of years for um, the top Premier League teams. And, and I don't mean the top one or two. I think Liverpool, Man City have set the pace and have been very, very good. But I think I think behind that, the third third to probably seventh, eighth place um, have been poor and, and much poorer than usual. And I think that's a combination of things. I think that's um, one, they're, they're, the quality isn't there um, when you compare to sort of top, top three, four sides of the past. Uh, and two, obviously... The COVID, the COVID situation hasn't hasn't uh, helped things. I think people people will say that it's easier for the bigger clubs because they've got bigger squads, but they've also got European football. And, and I think you notice the teams who who tend to have that that first season charge where they get into the top four, top six, like West Ham this season, Leicester last year. They don't have that European football. And I think once you get into Europa League or Champions League, you see how that affects you, and even more so this year, this year due to the congestion of fixtures. Um, I mentioned the sort of top three to seven have got worse. So last season was the lowest points tally that any t- team has ever got and come fourth, which was 66 points for Chelsea. Uh, West Ham are bang on track in terms of points per game to get that amount this season. Um, if you compare that to normal, uh, average is 71 points for fourth place and the most is 79 points. So I think that that's, that's decreasing. And then also, if you look at 
the average points between first and fourth. So the average points between first and fourth normally is, is 19 points. Last season, it was 33 points. So I think what's happening is first and second in the league are keeping their quality. Third to seventh are not. And that is giving the chance to the mid-table teams like Leicester in the previous years who've now cemented their place in it. But like West Ham, like Everton, like Wolves in different seasons gone gone by, Southampton, who have broken into that top seven or eight um, and then maybe fallen away again after that. So for me, the Premier League is getting better as a group. But I think think the third to seventh, the quality has definitely gone down in in the last five or six years. I think think the... there's just more money in the kind of you call them the mid-table teams now. But like, I mean, Leicester got taken over within the last five years. Everton have got a new owner within the last five years. West Ham's a bit of a freak at the moment. But the teams that are kind of pushing it do have that bit more money and that just that little bit more quality and easy wins for teams like Man U and Tottenham just not so easy anymore. Yeah. Although you've got to think though, like Everton got in the top four what, 10, 11 years ago. They came fifth under Martinez, I think. Um, Wolves came what sixth last year like these teams do come in they break into that top six seven but then fall away again and I think the challenge is sustaining it and I think Leicester are the only team really who have done that over the last uh, three four years now um, yeah I think it's I think it's all relevant to how much that I mean for instance would Everton five years ago spend 50 million on Richarlison yeah true it's, they, they have more funds they have more resources but I think it just makes it more interesting I think the term I think the term bad is uh kind of makes it bad that we don't have a dominant top four or top six. But yeah. I love the I love watching Spurs get smashed every week. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I agree with that. It's much it's much more exciting. I just don't think the quality is there. When you look at the teams who are third to seventh, I don't think I think the quality around Europe has dropped a little bit, but I don't think they're up there with the best. Whereas whereas years gone by, you would have a team fourth in the Premier League and in the semi final of the Champions League. Yeah, uh, and and that wouldn't look out of place. So I I can't see anyone in that in, from third below going far in the Champions League and or having the quality to go far in the Champions League. Sure, so. there are other things at play here. Remember, you got obviously the, the COVID has meant that teams are playing behind closed doors. There's no yeah. um, huge stadiums for the bigger clubs with you know um, fantastic atmospheres. There's also a lack of concentration, I think, uh, amongst defensive um organization um i think due to the empty stadium and we see a lot more defensive areas this season uh, bad defending basically and i think that's benefited or at least resulted in um the league being squeezed you know um in the sense that yeah these there's not a huge difference between the performance levels of the different sides within the league mm, yeah interesting it could be worse it could be the league that league is in trouble at the moment mm, yeah it's not looking good Quite a lot of leagues around Europe, actually. Uh, the French league as well is looking pretty, uh, pretty bad in terms of finances. I think there's yeah. going to be a lot, a lot of bargains that come from France this, uh, in the summer. Our next question is from our, our guest from last episode, actually, Jack uh, at the Tricky Reds, who asks um, for Shields. Is it just me, or um, who has been thoroughly impressed by Scott Parker this year as a manager, forward slash coach? Your opinions. Uh, I'm. Very impressed with Scott Parker. Um, he, Fulham are kind of my second team because my uncle's been a season ticket holder for 40 odd years now. So I've seen him when they were really bad. Um, but he, he just didn't, the reason they are where they are is they didn't get their summer business done quick enough. And they tried to go with what they had. But even after two games, Scott Parker went, I need to get two, three defenders in. And that was their huge issue. They was conceding four goals a game at the beginning of the season. 
but even is it Tony Khan, the, the 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 chairman's son came out and said, "No, we are going to go out and buy players. Just kind of give us time, and it's worked." Really liked Anderson and um, Tosin from Man City. I think they both they both just made their team so much better. Mm. Um, and bringing in Lamina and Greece is playing well. He's he's got his team and they're playing a system. They all trust the system. They very rarely go out of that system. Picking up that Anthony Robinson for about one million from Wigan, who were on their knees at the time. He's brought well since the start of the season and the players seem to respond to him and he's got a very infectious personality. Um, he, you hear stories about his time at West Ham where he was basically running the team at one point when we had Avram Brandt um, as our manager and he's always been a leader and people at all levels of football just respond to leaders. Mm. Yeah, you hear, you hear stories of him when, like you said, at West Ham, but also when he was a, uh, like a young coach at Spurs, right, in the, in the academy. And yeah. uh, and then obviously since he's gone to Fulham as well and, and everyone talks very highly of him. Um, I think um, I, I did wonder at first um, whether he, uh, he, he talks very well. And I think the English love someone who talks really well. And when they talk well, they assume they're a very good manager. Um, and I think at first I, was, I thought, is he just one of those people who talks very well about the game? But but what's he like as a manager? But I think, like you said, he has he has proved uh, his credentials, and I think he's doing very well. I, I mean, Harrison Reed, I, yeah. I think that was that was a very good signing, and he's just, he's just sort of slotted in there, and um, he's, he's a massive player for them, massive player for them. They've, um, they've lacked they've lacked a goal score all season, but yeah. Josh Madge has come and scored a couple of goals in his debut. I think they'll be fine. I think there's worse teams than them. They're on a bit of a roll. Um, obviously, they didn't. I didn't see the Fulham game on on um, was it Sunday? It was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it wasn't very good. But you're going to get games like that, especially if you're playing a Hodgson Run Palace. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nick. Question for you um, from your brother Christopher Irvin at Christopher underscore A underscore I. Um, he asks, um, seeing as there's n- uh, no crowds and a few teams playing their home fixtures at COVID-friendly venues in the Champions League, should FIFA have scrapped the away goal a rule this year? And is it a rule that you consider outdated, even in regular circumstances? 100% when the game is played at a neutral venue, it should be scrapped. I mean, what? Like, it doesn't make sense. You, you, one team's getting penalised. Like, both teams are away, effectively, and one team's getting penalised for it. I, uh, I can't believe that hasn't more hasn't been made of that. Um, maybe it will do once a team gets knocked out on away goals, uh, where the first leg was at a neutral venue or the second leg is. Um, but yeah, 100% in that. I think in general, I'm not a massive fan of the rule. Like, why is a 4-3 loss better than a 1-0 loss? Mm. I don't really understand that. I, I guess I guess it's from a neutral perspective, so there's more goals maybe, but I, I, I don't really agree with that. I think I think football teams should be let to sort of play and and, uh, and set up how they want, whether that's defensively or not. Um I, I personally would scrap it completely apart from in extra time during the second leg um, because both teams have had 90 minutes uh, home and away. And then once you get to the extra time in the second leg, the home team has got an advantage because they're in normal times are playing in front of their crowd for an extra 30 minutes. So that makes sense. So I, I think, um, I think, I think the, um, the league cup did this for a little while actually, where away goals only counted after extra time. Yeah, I think but, so. I yeah. Think it rings a bell. Do that. Um, I, I would be in favour of that because otherwise I don't I don't see yeah I, I don't see why four or three loss is better than one nil so um, I, I disagree with the away goals rule apart from during that thirty minutes only. I think that's luck of the draw though. If you're drawn at, if you're drawn away second leg, 
it's not as if they've gone they they've picked a draw and the first game is like oh you, we're putting you at home because you're the better team or the worst team so in, i think in it's the just first like round is, first round they do, it's the last 16 uh, last 32 they do that the, 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 the team who comes top of the group always has a oh okay at yeah. Home, yeah. But, yeah did but, i just uh, choose it uh yeah. based on quality yeah, better team <laughs> yeah um but other than that yeah but it's like a draw but then it's sort of yeah is it fair i don't know but yeah, anyway it's an interesting point mm. um okay this one our last question is quite a meaty one um from benjamin crawley at benjamin crawley great app uh he asks what's your combined all-time premier league 11 what's the question um, uh, I mean, what do you want to do? Do you want to go? Uh, let's do a four-four-two to make it. I was easy? about to say we're going, we're going four-four. It could be four-three-three. I've, I've got four-three-three. Nice. You go four-three-three. Yeah. Okay. I mean, how about okay? Let's, let's stick to that then, and we just go through each uh, position and kind of discuss what we think, and then uh, Nick, you could also then reveal your pre-planned. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, I was, I was going to say we go through each position as we go along, and, and we'll try and we'll try and agree on on a player in each position. Uh, okay. three of us, but um, in goal for me, it's either Czech or Schmeichel. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think there's any other options. Van der Sar. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think if you're looking at Van der Sar, I think Czech's been better. I, so. I my my automatic thought was Czech. Clean really? sheet record holder. I, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a Czech fan, and he's done it. To, his the end of his Arsenal career is a bit sad, but you could say the end of Schmeichel's career is a bit sad. But he went yeah. to Villa and Man City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that team that Jose built was based. It wasn't based around defense, but that defense was incredible. Yeah. I I only really appreciated. Well, I appreciated Czech at the time, obviously, but but I appreciated him even more after he left. Um, like phenomenal absolutely phenomenal you notice that as soon as you miss him for one game the defense fell apart for some reason so so uh, yeah I, I i would accept either but given that you've gone check then are we going to say check i it, it's a really tricky one because schmeichel did win points he won games for man united but i think i i would just edge towards check yeah just any know. thoughts to add tom uh, well, I was just thinking if there's any more whilst you're uh, mm. debating those two, but I don't, I don't think there is. I mean, obviously, I'm a Spurs fan through and through, always have been. My dad used to go away a lot um, with the 99 United team. I think he went to most of the Champions League games that year through, like, through business, I don't know, but he went, he was going to all the away games. So I'd kind of watch the game knowing my dad was there. So I had a bit of a, like, a soft spot for that 99 treble winning side. And yeah, Schmeichel was just like a huge part of that team. And so, yeah, just lives long in my memory. Um, but I'll, I would say, would have said uh, Schmeichel, but it's three of us, and I think I'm going to lose uh, two one. I know to check. Just ice is very tight, but yeah, I would say nice. just check. Yeah, fair enough. And the Wembley Way uh, goalkeeper uh, in the all-time Premier League eleven is Peter Check. Onwards then, so we have four at the back, um, right back. Nick, who have you got? Well, by default, my back four is uh, Paulo Ferreira, Ricardo Carvalho, <laughs> and William Gallas. Yeah, no, uh, thirteen goals conceded in a whole season. I mean, that is, that will never get beaten. I'm sorry, sixteen so far from Man City, and people have started to say that Stones and Diaz are the best two, best partnership in Premier League history. Forget it. Um, but Nick, you put them in your best of the week a minute ago. I did best of the week. Fair enough. <laughs> not, not Premier League all time. Not, um, best, not best ever. <laughs> uh, no, obviously I've got to be um, 
I'm joking slightly. My my right back, I don't think there's much arguing about this, and I couldn't think of many others. I'm I've gone with Gary Neville. Yeah, that was the first name that came into my head. Likewise, I was like, is there something more like? Is there, is there yeah, a more expansive you, option? Well, you, feel, you feel like there must be a better right back, but then yeah. you actually, when you when you break it down, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I did think of um, I had sort of Zabaleta. Ivanovic yeah. had a really, good, really strong couple of years. As Pelicueta has been a really good servant for Chelsea as well, but I don't think he's done enough. Even Trent now, you could say uh, what Liverpool have achieved, but I don't think any of them come close to, to Neville. With um, yeah, there's probably better right backs ability wise that yeah. play in the league. But if you're looking at best ever, I look at a ability and b longevity and what they bring yeah. to the team. Yeah, he's also exactly. uh, a leader, isn't he? Um, yeah. I think Fergie always said if he was slightly taller, it would have been the best centre back in the country. Mm. So, yeah, I'm happy with Gary. Unless anyone's got any other options, I was trying to think the uh, the Invincible side. They're right back. Who's that? Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, let's chuck a buoy out there. We've got loads of right backs. <laughs> <laughs> We've got loads of right backs. Food off by his yeah. own uh, fans. Yeah. Great. All right. What about, uh, what about Leicester when they won the league? Oh, um, the Austrian wasn't it? No, is he the no, left Danny, back? Danny Simpson. That, 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 Danny Simpson, yeah. Danny Simpson. Oh, the Austrian's the no. left back, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Fuchs. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Danny Simpson, yeah, he, uh, I'm not sure he was a very uh, savoury character, but uh, yeah, he turned it around, as most of the players <laughs> did in that 11, and bloody won the thing. Can't believe yeah. it. Who, who grows up as a professional footballer and goes, I want to be a right back? No one. Yeah. They, they kind now. of fall into the, the role. They do now. We've got yeah. Trent, Reese James, Tarek Lamptey. Trippier, always, too, always too many right backs. Right backs. Yeah. I'm not sure Lamptey's going to be a right back. Uh, yeah, I think he will be. Well, right wing back maybe, but I don't, I don't think he'd be a winger. No. Anyway, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Well, we, we, have we got into the best ever Premier Eleven? It's Harry Lamptey. Okay, um, right. centre backs then. Go on, Shield. I'll let you go on this one. Um, as much as I don't want to say it, I can't not say John Terry. Hmm. He, was think, in, he was in mine. I think once again that defense was incredible. He he was just such an integral part, and he could he could have played until he was forty, in my opinion, because he he never had lightning pace. But everything was just mental with him, but as in like mental attributes, his positioning, his leadership, his willingness to win. Once again, the character of the guy. Some people have their opinions on him. But with what he, some people, yeah, ever, yeah. yeah, ever. But what I'm, what I'm saying as a leader, as a organizer, as a captain, there's not been much, many better than John Terry in my eyes. Yeah, he, he was in mine, uh, and then I had a couple of others sort of dotted around who I thought will probably partnership with him. So, so I mean, however much they might not want to play with each other, I, I did think Rio and Terry. Yeah, um, Rio yeah. was, Rio was, yeah. Rio was on my list. But, but I think maybe Com- I thought company could get. Yeah, in. I was going to say yeah. company, company Vidic close behind. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you got to go back to the nineties. People talk about Tony Adams. Yeah, um, exactly. Can't ignore the uh, the yeah. Stam. The initial years of the PL. Gapstam, yeah. Steve Yap Bruce. Stam. Steve, Steve Bruce. <laughs> Three Premier League. We've uh, got to choose a partnership. So I'm I'm going with Rio JT. What about you, Shields? My uh, edging towards Rio JT. Company's very unlucky, but I would say Rio JT. Yeah. Okay, so it's Gary Rio JT. Okay. Who's left back? 
I don't think there's any argument. I think it's got to be Ashley Cole. Yeah, I, I think so. I blew, I, my, so. I, blew, I blew my load talking about the Invincibles for Lauren. Lauren, Lauren yeah. <laughs> should have been fucking Ashley Cole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. there's, a, there's a little shout in there for Evra, uh, who's won a lot of medals with United, and even Dennis Irwin, perhaps. Yeah, um, Dennis Irwin. Um, but I don't think there's anyone else really that, that comes close to Cole. I think it's I think it has to be Ashley Cole. He's he's yeah. he's the best left back I've think I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I remember complete was, like complete left back wise, he could do do everything. Yeah, he shut down. I think there was a Euro, his Euros or World Cup game where he shut down Prime Ronaldo. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. And defend like because people talk about what you want from a left back. He could just do both of it. He could attack. Yeah, exactly. He could defend. Yeah. Very rarely you find a full back that can do both. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, saw, I saw a video of him the other day, and it was a little clip of a, a game against Man United, um, and Cole just had him in his pocket all game, and then he he, cha- he, he gave him a bit of a hard challenge. Uh, it was probably a foul, but it was a strong tackle, and then Ronaldo just sort of sitting down, and Cole said, "I looked at him, and I saw that he didn't fancy it." And then Ronaldo went gestured as if he wanted to to come off for a sub, and uh, so he turned around to him and said, "I've got you in my pocket." And, yeah, uh, no, he's, I think he's Ronaldo like that. He's by far, I think. I don't think there's anything up for debate there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's goalkeeper and back four. Yeah. So we're going to do like a, you said a, a three in midfield. Are we going to do four, go are you doing, but... doing four, two, three, one or four, one, four, one? Uh, yeah. Four, one, four, one. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Holding me, holding midfielder to two midfielders either side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and so who's the holding midfielder? So, um, McAlealy. No, yeah, no, he has a whole role named. Yeah, after him. he does. He does have a, a role named after him, but I don't think he was in the Premier League and, and did enough uh, to, to be in the team. I think harsh. Uh, not not for Chelsea. I mean, obviously Real Madrid and his whole career, brilliant. Um, sure. I, 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 so I loved Vieira. Um, he was top of my list. I, I, mm. I absolutely love Vieira. Obviously, invincibles, but also just as a player. I think I'm probably a, couple, a year or two too young to really appreciate Roy Keane. I think there's a huge argument for Roy Keane to be in there. Um, I think it's a straight shootout between Keane and Vieira. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. but, I mean, I, I mean Roy Keane like... won seven Premier Leagues. Yeah. Actually, I'm changing. Oh, it's a tricky one. Like he won seven Premier Leagues. He, he 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 drove that team. But then I think around the Invincibles era, I think the competitiveness in the Premier League was so high. Like you had Chelsea emerging under Abramovich, you had Man United was still a massive force at that point, and 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 Arsenal was so good at that point. It meant, like when that team got going, they were they were so formidable. So I don't, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm torn. Maybe Tom's my, got a vote. I guess I'm I I've gone with my gut with most of these decisions, and my gut was Vieira. Mine also. I think he's just slightly more. I said the word earlier, expansive. He's got a bit more yeah. to his game, yeah. I think. Um, although, is he a holding midfielder? Like, he's more box Well, box, yeah, he, yeah, he could have, yeah. He I could, think he, he can do his, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He could do it. I'm like, well, this is it. This is why, in my head, I had a 4-4-2. Yeah. Sure. But Keane was box box as well. People think he was just yeah. sort of a sitting midfielder, but he, he was also box box So, uh, um, I've chosen the formation mainly for the other players. Right. Rather than the, the, that player, but um, so so who are those other players, Nicky? Who's, it, in, who's in front we're of Vieira? We're going Vieira. So we've got Vieira. Okay, I've called it. Yeah. So so either side of Vieira, I've gone. Um, I think there's three players here you can choose between, possibly a few others. I've gone with Skulls and Lampard. Um, I, I've, I've got I've got four. Who's that, your other one? 
I can't believe you're skipping out uh, Yaya Torre. That's that was going to be my one. Yeah. So my my, <laughs> my my next two were Yaya Torre and David Silva. Um, no no room for Steve Gerrard at all. Sorry, sorry. My my next one after Scott Lampard was Gerrard, then then Torre and Silva. That's sound very. Yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's convenient, isn't it? Yeah, coincidental there, Nicky, that you forgot him. Sorry, it is written down. Oh, is it? The listeners cannot see it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah so I, I've, um, I think Gerald was absolutely unbelievable. He carried but, quite an average Liverpool side for yeah, many years. He did, yeah. he did. Um, but I do think that's also why he's why he's high. Whereas like Lampard was surrounded by world class players, but also did it on his own as well. And I think the amount of goals Lampard yeah, scored, yeah, I think I think for me, just never going to be repeated from a from an out and out midfield player. Lampard's a shoe to be repeated. I don't um, think and, I don't think Lampard can be debated because yeah. of the amount of goals he brings you. You've and got then, a midfielder scoring twenty goals a year. You just can't. You can't leave him out. You can't yeah. leave him out. Um, I'm you can't play Lampard and Gerrard, as we famously know. No, well, that's because Sven no. played four four two. If he played a four three three, we would have won. We would have won everything. I'm not playing. I'm not playing Gerald anyway. So my, she, mine, mine's Vieira, Scholes, and Lampard. So and Shieldy, uh, Vieira, Lampard. The thing is with Yaya Toure, he had that one season yeah. where he was unplayable. Yeah, remember that goal against Palace? Was it? He's like run through everyone, and that I think it was left foot. Ah, insane. Can't, but the thing is, he if he had that level for five, six years in a row, mm, he would I be agree. a shoo-in. But for one year, I don't think you can have him. Yeah, I think the David Silva shout is very nice, but once again, I think there's better players in him. Mm. Uh, um, I think it's got to be Lampard, and I would probably go Gerard over skulls just about okay so you're just ignoring his 11 Premier League titles that's fine yeah but you ignored Roy Keynes so <laughs> <laughs> we have to choose one didn't Keane only have 7 though or 11 Skulls' longevity is madness but yeah uh, I, I, need to do a tw- I need to do a, a tweet which is like this is the Wembley way all time so you're choosing so- you're choosing Gerald or Skulls uh, um, I'm Gerard, I think <sighs> okay <sighs> God, I'll tell you if we England, if we managed England at the Euro uh, World, World Cup 2002, I think we would have won it all. Yeah, sure. I think so. yeah. we would have fit everyone in. Everyone knew it's four three three. Yeah, apart from no. Sven. Well, someone's got to score the goals to win the tournament. Uh, Nick, who's in your all-time Premier League front three? Front three. Um, so I think the the one that is is probably issuing for most. I think is going to be Cristiano. Harry kept out. Oh. <laughs> you said Harry Kane no. yeah. uh, uh, Ronaldo I think on, on the right um, are you, are you I've, got, yours? I've, got, I've got no issues with that yeah okay my, my, my issue is going to come at the centre forward position yeah I I, mine too um, I, I've, I've, I've botched it slightly and I, and I hate doing this because I always go but they, they would never play there but I think he has played there so I think on the left I've gone with Rooney because um, I wanted yeah. him in a team, and he, he has played, played out there. Yeah, he during played, the uh, yeah. Tevez era, yeah, Tevez, Berbatov, Van Persie, yeah. sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Who's your centre forward then? So mine, I, I can't. I just can't choose between Shearer and Henri. You have to choose. For me, I, I, mean, I would go Shearer and then Henri on the left. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, I think you've got to have both. I think you cannot have a greatest Premier League team ever yeah. without Adam Shearer. Yeah, I, I, I just, yeah. I just don't think you can do it. 
the, the guy scored over 30 goals a season five years in a row yeah I mean I, I think that I think you're right. But I'm that I'm that little bit older than both of you, so no, I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, I'm old and... enough to remember him scoring, I think, a couple to knock us out of the FA Cup semi final, Old Trafford. Uh, yeah. I remember that well. Yeah, um, I, 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 I don't get me wrong. If Kane stays fit and stays in the Premier League, he could get close to that record. Mm. But yeah, the guys miles ahead of everyone in it's terms an outrageous of scoring record, goals. Isn't it? it's an yeah, 260 record. goals or whatever it is in the Premier League. Um, I, I okay. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to. I mean, those those two positions. I think you have to have Rooney, Omri, and Shearer, and you have to have two of them. Um, so I think we've got that right. Uh, I, I'll, I loved Rooney. I think Rooney's the last player, but I think Omri, Omri was absolutely unplayable. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I, I, that's why I've gone Omri. I mean, yeah. the thing is, we've completely ignored Ryan Giggs. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I thought of him, but I've chosen these over. I Gareth couldn't, I, Barry. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Gareth Bale, but because <laughs> yeah. to be fair, Bale pre-Madrid was unplayable. Yeah, but obviously it was a couple of years, wasn't it? So, uh, I, yeah, I, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, Ronaldo, Shearer, Omri with you. Oh, we went for Shearer. There you go. I, I think I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't choose between Shearer and Omri up front, so I, I, but I want Omri in there. So I think I'm going to have to move Rooney out. And we have gone quiet modern with a few of the players i, I feel like a, a nice yeah. 90s stalwart center yeah. forward will really toughen yeah. us up like <laughs> like me yeah <laughs> <laughs> and on that Matt, Matt in there or something did you say matt did you just say matt letizio yeah i did oh, i love matt letizio he's um, another one where like just crazy if, career. Some of his his highlight reel. My yeah. God. <laughs> if, it was, if it was my favourite all time eleven, he'd be captain centre forward. <laughs> I, I love that bloke so much. But I've got a thing for Maverick sports people who don't look after themselves as one myself. Decanio, he's a kind of Maverick, yeah. isn't he? Uh, there's Ma- I, I, I love a Maverick, and Decizio just kind of did what he wanted. Kept Southampton in the league for pretty much twenty years, and yeah, on his own. Pretty much yeah. on his own. Yeah, we would love to hear everyone else's all-time Premier League yeah. though, because I'm sure everyone disagrees with with our. Hundred percent. So uh, it, yeah, it's a great debate. So great question, Benjamin Crawley. Great at um, as well, yeah. uh, and that is series one, episode seven of the Wembley podcast. This quite a long one, um, especially with that 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 uh, all-time Premier League eleven question at the end, but a good one. Um, as always, I'd have the final word. Um, Please subscribe to our podcast feed, whether that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Share us to your friends on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram now at The Wembley Way. Remember to check our website for previous episodes and the latest England squad power rankings, thewembleyway.com. That's it. We did it. Cheers, Shieldsy. Full episode. Thank you for having me. Yeah. First full episode guest. How do you feel? drained <laughs> no it was good fun yeah no really good um so yeah i've been tom i've been shieldy and i've been nikki and we've been the wembley way good night yeah